1: If you're looking for tales of the macabre, you've found the right show. We go back to 1942. Tonight, from the old-time radio series, Suspense, two English reporters discover a secret code hidden in Madame Tussauds' waxworks and attempt to save a bomber factory from sabotage. Plus, during the French Revolution of 1793, a Swiss girl copied in wax the severed heads of those who had just been guillotined. Stay tuned now for... Menace in Wax, on Suspense. Suspense.
2: For Suspense, tonight we present Menace in Wax, by John Dixon Carr.
3: During the French Revolution of 1793 a Swiss girl copied in wax the severed heads of those who had just been guillotined. She married a Frenchman named Toussaint and came to London, and she founded Madame Toussaint's wax Waxworks. There it is, still in Marylebone Road, near Baker Street Station. Not the original building. That was destroyed by fire. But it remained untouched when a darker shadow than revolution came to England. And they plastered high explosives all along that road and hit the cinema next door. We are going to London under the bomber's moon. Late one night in March of 1941, a young man hurried up to the great glass doors of Madame Toussaint.
4: Open up here. Isn't there a night watchman around this place?
5: There is, Governor, and I'm in. Now, what do you want at this hour of the night?
4: My name is Rogers. I'm from the Daily Record. Oh. If
5: you'll
4: let me get inside, I'll show you my press card. Didn't you get any orders about me?
5: Well, maybe I have at that. Oh, you're the bloke as wants to see the Chamber of Horrors. That's right. <laughs> All right, you may as well come in.
4: My paper got a tip. There's something funny going on around here.
5: Something funny going on here? (laughs) That's a good one. The raid's not very heavy tonight, is it? No, they're going over. You ain't heard where, Governor? We got a teletype flash. There was the Midlands. Lord Lummy, and I've got a sister in Birmingham. Oh, why can't she come and stop in a nice, safe place like London? There's the Regent's Park guns opening up again. My teeth, rattle rattling, shakes the hats off the dummy's heads. You know, this chamber of ours is getting to be popular tonight. You mean there's been somebody here before me? Yes. A woman? That's right, Governor. About five feet, two inches tall, very pretty. If you like them brunette and big-eyed and a phony French accent. No, Governor, no. This was only an old lady that lost her handbag.
4: Oh, thank the Lord for that anyway. Now then, what is going on around here? Well,
5: I don't know, Governor. You'll have to ask Pearson about that. Who's Pearson? Oh, he's the bloke that's the watchman down there. He's old and he imagined things. He phoned your piper. (laughs) Have you got an electric torch? Yes. Then go straight on through the marble hall and down the stairs on your left. And don't speak to the policeman because he's wax. (laughs) Yes, that's the way, Governor. That's the way to the chamber of horrors. Thank you.
4: Pearson? Hello, Pearson? Pearson? Uh, yes, sir. Huh? You're looking for me. Oh, uh, gee, I didn't see you there. I must have thought you were one of those wax dummies.
6: Uh, ugly dim light, isn't it?
4: Yes. Uh, Rogers is my name. I'm from the Daily Record.
6: Oh, uh, yes. I'm glad you came over. I phoned your paper myself. Maybe I'm just imagining things, but Oh, well, that... I
4: don't blame you. This place would make anybody nervous, especially during an air raid.
6: Uh, well, sir, it's all right as long as you don't get to imagine they're watching you.
4: Oh. And do you?
6: Oh, yes. Sometimes. That's the gambling group in
4: the center there. Uh huh. What's that thing over there? That's the famous guillotine. Oh, wait a minute, old boy. You're not trying to tell me that's the original guillotine.
6: No, uh, that was burnt in the fire. Madame Toussaint bought it from Sanson, the executioner. Let me tell you something, Mr. Rogers. What? Years ago... This is straight. A young French woman came in here. There was nobody else in the place. She thought it would be great fun to say she'd put her neck in the same guillotine as Marie Antoinette... So she climbed up on that platform. She snapped the little wooden collar down round her neck, shutting herself in. All of a sudden, she realized she didn't know which spring controlled the collar and which spring controlled the knife. Oh, good Lord, she didn't. know. But they say she went crazy. They say she screamed and screamed. What's that?
7: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you, but sweet mama, I'm so scared myself. I cannot help it. Susie. Oh no, 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 no! Not Susie. Susie, you make it so it rhyme with floozy. That is not
4: nice. Why you little devil? I ought to turn you across my knee. What are you doing here? And will you forget that French accent? You're driving me crazy. Uh, you know this young lady, sir? Do I? She works for my paper. She's haunting me.
7: Oh, Bert, that's not nice. I like the way I talk.
4: I only try to give you ideas. That's just what I mean. Now, take your arms from around my neck. Uh, she's French, sir. Her mother came from New York, like I did. She's got some funny ideas, accents, and disguises.
7: So I dress up as an old lady, and I come along, too. That is
4: clever, no? Definitely no.
7: But I go into what I think is the lady's room, and there is Jack the Ripper. I'm so scared, I almost
6: kick the
4: ghost. Whatever else you do, miss, for the love of heaven, put
6: out that cigarette. It is not permitted? It is what they are most afraid of in this place. Fire!
4: If you vouch for this young lady, Mr. Rogers... I don't vouch for anybody. But go on now. What's all the mystery here at Madame Tussauds? You see the group over there? It's called the Gamblers. That three men and a woman in 18th century costume sitting around a table playing cards? Yes. And about once a week, when the lights are out... Yes? Those dummies do play cards... Is this a publicity trick of some kind? Oh, no, sir. And what's the game? I'm not crazy. Uh, I know they don't actually do it, sir. Uh, what I want to know is who changes the cards round in their hands and why? Well, could anybody, anybody from the outside, I mean, get in to change the cards? Oh, yes. Uh, there's a back door. But why would anyone want to break in here just to change those cards around?
7: Monsieur Berk, Ecoute, listen. I have made a discovery.
4: Listen, if you're going to talk, speak English. Or better yet, just keep still.
7: But I have made a discovery. This card
4: game. What about it?
7: It is crooked. Here is a man which has two deuces of hearts in the same hand. Listen, Susie, I don't give a...
4: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's have a look at those cards.
7: I give you ideas, yes?
4: Susie, for once, you're right. And look here. Two of these players have all the clubs and hearts. The other two have all the diamonds and spades. Susie, how many letters in the alphabet? Twenty-six, no. And twice twenty-six is... Two. The number of cards in a
8: pack. Give me a pencil, Susie, quick.
3: The War Office Whitehall. MI-5, Headquarters of Military Intelligence. There next morning in the map room, used as an office by Colonel Warrender.
9: Mr. Rogers, I'm a busy man. I appreciate that, Colonel Warrender. Anyhow, sit down. Thank you, sir. Now, what's all this? These cards you claim form a code, is that it? Yes,
4: sir. Now, look, sir. Let each letter of the alphabet represent a card in clubs and hearts. That's 26. And then? And then when you get to the middle of the message, switch the alphabet over to diamonds and spades. Then you won't keep on repeating. Now, will you read what I've got written on this piece of paper?
9: Jack of Diamonds, Q, three of clubs, F. Well, that doesn't seem to mean much. Oh, never mind the cards, Colonel. Just read the letters. Q-F-A-C-T-O-R-Y. Yes, sir. Q-Factory. Go on. Oh, just a moment. What is that infernal noise? Johnson Burroughs. Uh, don't
4: bother oh. with that, sir. Just read the message, please. Oh. Q-Factory.
9: 10 p.m.,
4: 15th. Today's the 15th of March, Colonel.
9: Oh, all preparations made. Use dive bombers. I see. Uh, this message was left openly. So openly
4: that nobody ever noticed it.
9: Yes, the trick's been tried before. No contacts, no gatherings, no
4: letters that might be intercepted. A whole spy ring could walk through that wax museum and read the message without being
9: seen. You newspaper men trying to teach me my job? Oh, I'm sorry, sir, I only... Oh, no, no, go on.
4: Well, don't you see? Three or four little boats with portable wireless sets go down the Thames estuary. When they're beyond pursuit, they send that message by radio. Somebody listens. And it's no secret in Fleet Street, sir, that Q Factory is out in the wilds of Gloucestershire.
9: Uh, There's no secret anywhere.
4: And that we're making the Shaftesbury bomber out there. So tonight, unless we do something about it, they're coming over and bomb Q Factory to blazes. Well, that's impossible. Why? Or
9: can't you tell me? I can tell you this much. Yes, sir. The factory is so well hidden that even our own pilots can't find it from the air. That's one objection to this message. Any other objection? Yes, this talk about dive bombers. Dive bombers in a night attack? What's the good of a dive bomber if he can't see his objective? Well, suppose somebody showed a light. He'd be shot dead as soon as he showed it. Every inch of country for a quarter of a mile around the factory. A quarter of a mile, Mr. Rogers is patrolled day and night.
1: Well,
4: just the same. They're going to have a try at it, sir. How? I don't know how. Then
9: if you'll excuse me,
4: Mr. Rogers... Now listen, I... Colonel Wander. Will you give me a pass to go down there to the factory?
9: Certainly not. No one's permitted to go there except the workers.
4: How is the place defended?
9: There's a night fighter station nearby... and several batteries of four 3.7 guns. Then give
4: me a pass to the fighter station or to the gun post. That's a legitimate newspaper request.
9: Well, I, I might manage to pass one of the gun posts here. Yes. Then you'll do it. Well, what is that in Colonel Rowley? Sounds like somebody locked up in a coat cupboard.
4: Yes, as a matter of fact, Colonel, it is somebody locked up in a coat cupboard. A young lady, so-called.
9: A young lady? Who locked her up? I did. And just what the devil do you mean, sir, locking up people in coat cupboards in the war office?
4: Well, she's a bit excitable, Colonel. I, I thought that uh, she'd better not see you.
9: No, oh, thanks for the consideration.
4: Uh, there's just one other favor I'd like to ask. As well? If she asks you for a pass, don't give it to her. Don't give it to her under any circumstances.
9: Uh, what's her name? Susie Dubois. <laughs> You're rather too late for that, young man. Uh, the public relations office granted her a pass two hours ago. What?
4: Oh. A woman to an anti-aircraft battery?
9: Uh, this is what we call a mixed battery. Women on the guns as well as men. She said it would make a good human interest story for the press. I, mm. I must say, I agree with her. Uh, well, one moment, Mr. Rogers, before you go. Yes, sir. That gun post is fully two miles from the factory. You can go there, but if you take one step further, you'll be shot on sight by our guards. I warn you.
4: I'll be careful, Colonel. I'll be careful.
3: Somewhere in the West Country, a yellow moon shines over bare trees. A white mist moving clings to the ground.
4: Susie, are you sure we're on the right road?
7: Oh, no, sure. They have taken away all the signposts in case there is an invasion. I know that. But I follow the map. The map cannot be
4: wrong. We've been driving for hours. Must be... Yes, it is, nearly half past nine. Half an hour to go. Trees, trees, and still more trees.
7: Look. There's a break in the trees ahead. It will be open country in a
4: minute. Yeah. That's funny. Look how deep the leaves are here on the road.
7: But one thing I tell you, just between you and me and the bed poles...
4: Gate. Oh, Susie, the term is between you and me and the gatepost. And speak English.
7: I am speaking English very well, thank you. I do not need your help to be pure. All right, all right. Now, this map.
4: Well, what about it? It
7: say we should go through a lot of villages. Mitford, Archidine, and Sephora, we will. I have not seen any villages.
4: Could you say Mitford?
7: We will
4: Susie, let me have a look at that map. Come on, come on, hand it over.
7: But what is wrong? It is a perfectly good map.
4: Yes, Susie. It's a fine map. It's an excellent map. Only it's a map of the wrong county. I have made a mistake. No? I don't even believe you can read. This is a map of Barsetshire. We should be somewhere in Glebeshire. Now, where in the devil are we?
7: We're at the entrance to some kind of clearing with leaves. Oh. What was that?
4: Somebody calling us. And if we're in Forbidden Area...
7: I see him now. Where? He's behind us. He came out of a white cottage back there. He's a big, heavy man with a mustache.
4: Never mind the mustache. He's wearing some kind of a uniform and he's got a rifle. You think he plugged plug us? No. I think it is not unlikely.
10: Get out those war office passes of ours. Wait. Good evening, my friend. Right. Good evening. Can you tell me... Oh, we
7: don't mean any harm. Uh, 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 uh,
10: Can uh, you tell me what time it is?
7: Oh,
10: <laughs> what time it is? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, 28
4: and a half minutes past nine.
10: Thank you. I will keep you covered while I set my watch. There. My next question is, would you like me to shoot you both? No. Listen, Mr., uh, Mr. McAllister. Captain.
4: Captain McAllister. That's that right. All right. Captain, uh, this girl, uh, she's been reading the wrong map. You see, we don't even know
10: where we are. You're in Hollywood Forest, my friend. Hollywood Forest?
4: Is that good
7: or
10: bad? And you don't know what's just beyond the edge of this clearing? No. There's a big open space of a quarter of a mile. In the middle of that open space... Q Factory. We're right on top of it. Then you have heard of Q Factory, my friend.
4: Captain McAllister, we're from the war office, and we've got passes to prove it.
10: Let's see the passes.
4: We were trying to find gun sight number. Uh, I've forgotten the number.
10: But it's here on that card. You've passed the gun sir. Two miles back up the road. All right. Here are your passes.
7: What are you going to do to us?
10: Uh, I'm not in the regular army. You can thank your stars I'm not. I'm forestry preservation.
7: Oh. You are not going to chuck us in the cooler, even?
10: <laughs> no. No. Now, turn that car on, get back along this road as fast as you can. If they fire at you, as they probably will... Oh,
7: I wish I am home. Pray no ma I wish I am home.
10: Well, then, hope for the best. My watch had stopped and you did me a good turn. Now, hurry along. Hurry!
3: sight of heavy ACAC battery. Four 3.7 guns against a moon growing clear white. White as the concrete emplacements. Sealed against light where the crew's men and women sitting, waiting, waiting,
11: waiting. Well, sir, Uh, glad to have you both here. But this idea of yours about dive bombers attacking a blacked-out factory in the uh, middle of a forest is uh, rather fantastic, don't you think? Well, I admit it doesn't make much sense, Captain Bronson, but I have a hunch that I'm right. Well, glad you and Miss Susie drove out. Don't see many strangers. Trifly boring. Nice country, of course. Good air and everything, but dull. Dull as ditch water. What's that? Only some of the lads and lasses inside like to uh, walk along the emplacement here. Oh, is that allowed? Oh, certainly, old boy. Why not? Bright moon tonight, isn't it?
4: Yes, yeah, bomber's moon.
7: We,
11: uh... We nearly
7: get shot on our way here.
3: Quiet, Susan. We're not supposed to have been there.
7: If I nearly get shot, I am going to say I nearly get shot. It was a man which is called, uh, uh, Mick Oh, old
11: Mac. Uh, very decent sort, Mac. He's, uh, a, a tree doctor. A what? Tree doctor. Gotta have wood, you know. But trees start to die. Mac goes round the edge of the clearing and smears him with stuff to keep him well. Uh, how did you come to meet him? Well, the fact is, uh... We nearly got as far as the factory tonight. Oh, then you were lucky to get back alive. There weren't any barrage balloons over the factory, I noticed. Uh, hardly, old boy. They wouldn't advertise, would they? With balloons in open country. And if the Germans did use dive bombers? Oh, they're not coming, old boy. Just make up your mind to that. I wonder if you'll say so at ten o'clock. But it is ten o'clock. It's uh, well, it's just ten now. Well, it can't be. We drove here like blazes. It was only half past nine then. Well, then your watch must be very slow, old boy. No, I'm afraid you're wrong. I've never seen it quieter. Cold tonight, very dry for March. Look all around you. Moonlight, open country, not a sign of life in it. Quiet, peaceful, and silent as the grave.
5: What was that? By
11: George, I think we've got some visitors. I think we're going to see some fun.
5: Enemy planes approaching south-southwest. Action stations. Enemy planes approaching (laughs) south-southwest.
11: Now do you believe me? Better stand back, old boy. Operation crew's coming on. I said, now do you believe me? I want you to watch these girls work. They do everything, you know, except actually fire the guns. Now, now, now keep your hair on, old boy. Susie, he still can't see it. Oh, they'll only be going over. You think so? Oh, yes. We sometimes get a crack at them when they're making for Bristol.
12: Annie by.
7: I've heard that noise a thousand times. But every time I hear it, I get sick.
11: Hmm. They're flying ruddy low, you know. Just what I was thinking. Spotter! Spotter! Any identification?
12: Yonkers, 88.
11: dive bombers.
7: Height
11: now look here, you two newspaper people. Yes, sir. There might be things popping, you know, can't tell. I'd like to get below? No, oh, no, thanks.
7: I don't like this, Bert, but I'll stay, too. Range finder? Range finder, on target.
11: Look here, you two, the, uh, those war office passes you gave me, uh, I'm not supposed to keep them. Now I'd better give them back, just in case.
12: Predictor? Predictor, on target.
11: Here we go, ladies and gents.
12: Fire.
9: Fire. Yes, Corporal. Hold fire. Night fighters taking off. Hold fire. Night fighters
7: taking off. Full fire. Message understood. What is the matter with them? With who? Those harsh planes. They're still a good way off, but they don't come any closer.
11: Hmm. Must be going over after all. They're circling. I think they're waiting for a signal. Anyhow, here are your war office passes. You, well, you seem to have got them all smeared with oil. Oil?
7: That is all right, Monsieur. When we get them back from Captain McAllister, they have oil on them. I think maybe he dropped them on the leaves because there's oil on the tires of the car, too. Then I think how always in this we meet things that burn. At Madame Tussauds last night, they would not let me smoke a cigarette in case of fire.
11: Fire? That's it, fire. What's the matter with you, old boy? Why did that fella
4: way out at the end of nowhere, want to know what time it was? Are you scatty? McAllister. You told me so yourself. He goes around the edges of the clearing and smears the trees with stuff to keep them well. Well, what about it? Suppose it was crude oil. Suppose between each tree he laid an invisible fuse of dead leaves soaked in oil. I, uh, I don't understand. In 30 seconds, a complete square of fire runs around the limits of the factory grounds. That draws the bombers in. Then as the flames blaze higher, they've got enough light to dive on their target. Well, our night fighters are letting loose. Bronson, I see it all now. Come on. We've got to get to that tree, Dr. McAllister. It's a matter of minutes. Susie, is Branson following in the car behind us? Yes.
7: He's following and men with rifles
4: got to get to McAllister's cottage. This McAllister? I'll bet you ten to one. The real McAllister is either dead or tied up in that cottage. The fellow we saw was an imposter. Look out, Susie. Keep your head down.
7: Oh, those fighters. They will chew up every younger in the place. They have not got the chance of a snowshoe in heaven.
4: No, Susie, not a snowshoe in heaven. You mean... A... I
7: know you are English at a time like this. What I cannot understand. Look out. don't see why he hasn't set his signal off. What is delaying him? Why don't he strike a match when the bombers come over?
4: Because he's a good Nazi.
7: A good Nazi?
4: My watch was slow, don't you remember? And I gave him the wrong time. He had orders to strike his match at 10 o'clock, and he'll not do it until 10 o'clock if there are 500 planes instead of 20.
7: Bert, I see him. Where? Far up the road. He's running.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's him. Think we can reach him before he gets to the clearing? The chance of a snowshoe in heaven. Signal Brunson to pass us. A long shot with a Bert, rifle, might... Bert, one of the youngers is hit. Huh? He's right over it. That's not all. He's unloading his bombs. The whole stick's coming straight down our direction. Keep your head down. I
7: I don't feel
4: her. This is a dirt road. The bomb sank too deeply before it exploded. We didn't catch the blast. Come on, Susie. McAllister was just ahead of us. Come on, let's get out. We can't drive any farther. This road is full of bomb craters. Wait a minute, Susie. There's McAllister.
7: He... He is dead.
4: Yes, Susie. Killed by a Nazi bomb.
7: Look, on the ground. What are those two white cards?
4: Oh. They're all smeared with oil. must have fallen out of McAllister's pocket just before he got hit. Let's see. What do you know?
7: What are the cards, Bert?
4: Two tickets for Madame Tussaud's waxworks. I'm afraid our friend's never going to get to use them.
7: Uh Uh-huh. Not the chance of us no shoe in heaven.
3: And so ends Menace in Wax. Tonight's story of Suspense. Columbia presents these stories of mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure for your relaxation and enjoyment. Next Tuesday, there'll be another in this series. Same hour, 9.30 Eastern Wartime. William Spear, the producer. John Beats, the director. Bernard Herman, the composer, conductor, John Dixon Carr, the author, our collaborators on Suspense.
2: Here is a message of vital importance to every person who drives an automobile in America. There is wide misunderstanding about gasoline and rubber, and the government wants the following facts brought to everyone's attention. Actually, there is no scarcity of gasoline except in some parts of the East. But nowhere in the country is there enough rubber for military and civilian use. Starting two weeks from today, December 1st, mileage rationing goes into effect. This means that no car owner anywhere in the United States will be able to buy gasoline without a mileage rationing book. The purpose is to conserve the rubber we have by eliminating all unnecessary driving. When we think of the tremendous distances our mechanized army is traveling in North Africa and the long road to victory that still lies ahead, this extra effort on our part is slight indeed. Remember, everybody is going to have mileage rationing, so why not be prepared? The best way each of us can save rubber is by sharing our car with others. Let one car do the work for two or three. So why not arrange with the neighbors tonight and start sharing the car tomorrow? It's the one real, important contribution that every automobile driver can make. Don't be a lone rider. Share your car and do your share for victory. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for Father Knows Best, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Robert Young to lead the cast of Father Knows Best and the tale of his daughter, Betty, dreaming of being a star on the silver screen.
13: Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by America's favorite coffee, Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop.
12: <laughs>
13: to be or not to be, that's quite a question, isn't it? Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune... Or to take arms against a sea of troubles? That's a question, too, and quite a problem. In Springfield, in the White Frame House on Maple Street, the Andersons are old hands when it comes to questions and problems. Big problems, little problems, they've had their share of them all. Like this, I've never seen
14: anything like it in my whole life. Jim. Hmm? Oh. Bless, O oh, Lord, this food to our use and our lives to Thy service. Amen. Amen.
15: All right, Kathy, eat your dinner. Say, Dad...
14: Tell me golf is a game of skill. Dad... He couldn't do anything wrong, and I couldn't do anything right. Dad... What is it, bud? Look at Betty. What about her? Betty? Betty!
16: Hmm? What?
14: What's the matter with you?
16: Nothing, Father. Nothing at all.
14: Well, stop daydreaming and eat your dinner.
16: Yes,
17: Father. She still thinks she's Camille. Camille. All right, Kathy.
18: I think she's nuts.
17: Bud.
18: Well, holy cow, Mom. She walks around coughing all the time. Never mind, Bud. Just eat your dinner and be quiet.
14: Holy cow. You know what he did on the sixth hole, Margaret? He sliced one out of bounds, it hit a tree and bounced right back on the green.
17: Yes,
15: dear.
14: That's a great way to win the semifinals, isn't it? Skill. Daddy. What is it, Kathy.
17: Why did they call Marguerite the lady of the camellias?
14: Because that's what she wore, camellias. Now forget about it and eat your dinner.
16: Gee whiz.
14: Betty, will you please pass the butter? Father. What is it, Betty?
16: It's very kind of you, monsieur, to speak to me so gently. What? (laughs) Here is the butter.
13: Oh,
14: for crying out loud. Betty, what in the name of... What's gotten into you?
16: Why, nothing, Father.
14: Well, then stop it. The play is over. You were wonderful. You were sensational. But it's over. Now, come on back to Earth.
16: It's
15: all right, Jim. It may take her a few days, but she'll get over it. I
14: know, but a man can stand just so much. We've had Camille for breakfast, dinner, and supper for the last month, and I'm getting sick of it. If this keeps up, she won't be in any more plays, and that's a
18: promise. What a play. What a play. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Armand, I love you.
17: Nobody even got shot or anything.
16: Father. What is it, Betty? Do you know who was in the audience last night? We were. A talent scout from Hollywood. Wouldn't it be wonderful? (sighs) Betty. Yes, Father?
14: Don't fall into the swimming pool. What? Betty, I saw the show last night and... Well, this is a practical world You've got to realize Jim. Margaret, I'm merely trying to explain to Jim, her Jim,
15: she's so young, let her dream Just for a little while
14: Well, I think the entire thing is ridiculous
16: Me too
14: Eat your dinner and be quiet
16: Gee whiz <laughs> I'm going to dedicate myself My entire life to the theater
14: Bud, pass the potatoes, please
16: Do you want to know why?
14: No Come on, bud. Here you are, Dad. Thank you.
16: Because there are moments when I lose myself in that dream. Because there are days when I'm weary of the life I lead. And imagine that I have another. Because in the midst of my turbulent existence, though my reason, my pride, my senses are alive, my heart is so tired of never finding tender understanding. Little do
18: people care. Ah, shut up. (laughs)
16: Bud, Mother! what he said...
15: Bud, how dare you speak that way to your sister. Well, holy cow, Mom. Jim, will you please say something to Bud?
14: Uh, hello, Bud. (laughs)
12: Hi,
15: Dad. Jim Anderson, it is not funny, and I don't care what Betty did. There's no excuse...
14: Your mother's
18: right, Bud. You, uh, shouldn't have said it. I know, Dad, but good gravy. No, Betty, you're sorry, and, uh... Uh, well, go ahead. I'm sorry, Betty. I shouldn't have said what I said.
16: You want me to forgive you? Dear one, what is there to forgive? In a world such as ours... Betty,
18: for
14: Pete's sake, cut it out.
16: But, Father... You've been
14: spouting Camille around here until I've got it coming out of my ears. Now, stop it.
16: Very well But when I'm a famous movie star And they ask me Who is responsible for my success
14: Margaret, she isn't just counting her chickens She's selling next year's
12: eggs
15: (laughs) Betty, we mustn't raise our hopes too high
14: What do you mean, our hopes?
18: Bud, that was the doorbell I know Well, answer it Holy cow You think there was a law That nobody else was allowed to open the door? Margaret,
14: you certainly don't think that Betty has a chance of being a movie star, do you?
18: Why not? I've
15: seen
17: certain people a lot less talented than Betty.
14: But she isn't trained for it. She isn't prepared.
17: Father, they train you. And she and Janie Lickett are both preparing. What? Kathy. Well, you and Janie were trying on sweaters and she said... Kathy.
14: (laughs) (laughs) Kathy, why don't you go in and do your homework?
17: I haven't finished my milk.
14: Well, finish it. And behave yourself.
17: Hi, Betty. Oh, Billy,
8: come on in. Hello,
14: Billy, glad to see you.
8: Hello, Mr. Anderson, Mrs. Anderson. Beautiful evening, isn't it? Oh, hello, Billy. How are your mother and father? Just fine, thank you. Uh, Would you care for a piece of cake? No, thanks. We've got to run along. Janie Liggett's throwing a big party for the Dramatic Club. Sort of a celebration, you know.
14: Yes, Betty was telling us. Bud, what are you doing out there?
18: I'm waiting for the doorbell to ring again. Stop being
14: such a smart aleck and come back here Unless you'd rather skip your dinner
18: Well, every time I sit down, the doorbell rings And I'm the only one who ever gets to answer it So... Sit
14: down and finish your dinner
18: Holy cow <laughs> uh, we were just
15: talking about the play Weren't we, Jim? Uh,
18: yes, we
14: certainly were
15: We thought it was wonderful Didn't we, dear?
14: Yes, we, uh, certainly were talking about it
16: Billy, tell them what the club critique said about my performance Well, um, as the director of
8: the various productions I run a critique after each performance A sort of a symposium And we're quite ruthless in our critical analysis uh, In a constructive way, of course
14: so Of course
17: What did he say?
14: Never mind, just drink your milk
17: I drank it
14: Well, drink Bud's
8: <laughs> Go ahead, Billy Well, as I was saying, we decided that while Betty's performance lacked the polish of a more experienced artiste, it had warmth, spirit, and a certain objective maturity you can only describe as eclat.
14: You don't say.
8: Oh, yes. Why, when she was dying, didn't you notice the the brilliant resonance in her cough? She had a timber you'll find in mighty few Camilles.
14: Well, she comes by it naturally. Her grandfather was a champion hog collar.
15: Jim, Billy and Betty are being quite sincere and earnest
14: Well, so am I Just because you can cough loud, that doesn't mean they're going to send you to
8: Hollywood
16: Who said anything about Hollywood? Billy Smith, you told me there was a talent scout in the audience
8: Woman's place is in the home, caring for her family, sharing the joys and sorrows of the man she loves
16: Mother, have you ever heard anything more prehistoric? (laughs) Betty, I really don't think...
14: Just a minute, Margaret. Betty, this is one quarrel you aren't going to drag us into. If you and Billy want to fight, do it on your own time.
16: But, Father, he's so pig-headed. I am not
8: pig-headed. I just believe in equal rights for men.
18: That's all.
14: <laughs> Betty, if you're going to the Liggetts, go.
16: I spent a whole month preparing for Camille. Betty. And then he has the nerve to tell me... Betty. Yes, Father? Go. Well, come on, Billy.
8: Good night, everybody. Good, good night, night Billy. Everybody. I won't be
16: out too late, Mother. All right,
8: dear. Have a good time. Good night. Good night. Good night, good night dear. Gosh, Betty, I didn't mean to get you all excited.
16: I'm not excited, but there's no reason why I can't take a screen test if I want to. But why? I told you in the very beginning.
14: Of all the idiotic arguments I've ever heard...
17: Well, at least it's a little different. Daddy.
14: What is it, Kathy.
17: Why doesn't Billy want Betty to go into the movies?
14: I don't know, baby. I guess he just wants her to stay in Springfield. Why? So they can smooch, dopey. Bud.
17: (laughs) Well,
18: if she doesn't know... Bud,
14: if there are any clinical replies to be given around here, please let me give them. Holy cow. Kathy, you see, when you're very young and in love, you dream up all kinds of things. Now, actually, there isn't any reason for Betty and Billy.
18: There, you see? What? I told you it was going to ring again, and you said I was being a smart aleck.
14: I don't know. Isn't there going to be one evening we can go through without all this fuss and excitement?
18: Bud, stop making such an
15: issue of it and answer the door.
14: I'll answer it myself. He can finish his dinner.
15: I'll go, Dad.
14: Never mind. Just do as you're told. Has to walk a full 20 feet to get to the front door you think it was going to kill him.
15: I'll pour your coffee, dear.
14: All right, Margaret. I'll be right back.
19: Mr. Anderson? Yes? My name is Kay. Alfred Kay. May I come in? Uh, why, yes. Uh, come right in. <laughs> Thank you. You probably heard that I was in town. Well, quite frankly, no. Oh, I thought you had. But Mr. Anderson, I represent the Metropolitan Picture Corporation of Hollywood. Metropolitan? You mean you... You're the talent scout? You did hear about me. The talent...
14: Margaret, he's here. He came.
15: Jim, what is it? The
14: talent scout. He's it. I mean,
19: he's here. He's right here now. Mr. Anderson, there's no need to get excited. What on earth
18: are you talking about? What's the matter, Dad? I want to see, too.
19: Margaret, uh, this is my wife, Mrs. K. I mean... uh... (laughs) Mrs. Anderson, I'm Alfred K. of Metropolitan Pictures.
15: Oh, no. Holy cow. Gosh.
19: Now, let's not get excited, children. Let's just keep our heads... (laughs) Just, to keep our heads.
15: Bud, call the Liggetts immediately. Tell him to send Betty home at
18: once. Okay, Mom. Oh,
19: I wouldn't go to all that trouble, Mrs. Anderson. Oh, it's no trouble, no.
14: Mr. Kay. No trouble at all. Uh, let's go into the living room where we can be
19: more comfortable. Oh, thank you. That'll be very nice.
15: You can't imagine how excited we are, Mr. Kay. Uh... <laughs>
19: well, I think I can. After all, a thing like this doesn't happen every day, does it? Ah. Uh... <laughs> uh... That's better.
17: Don't I get to say hello?
19: Oh, I'm sorry, Kathy. Mr. K., this is our younger daughter, Kathleen. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I noticed her in the audience last night. How are you, Kathleen?
17: I'm very pleased to meet you, sir.
19: Sweet child. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Anderson.
17: Hey, Mom.
18: Uh, Betty isn't there yet, but I told them about the talent scout, and they said they'd send her home the second that she came in. That's fine, bud, just fine.
15: Uh, We're very proud of Betty, Mr. K. But
19: uh, I'm not sure she wants to go into pictures. You see... Well, that needn't bother us, Mr. Anderson. I want to talk to you about a screen test for Kathleen.
15: Kathy!
19: Oh, no.
20: A Cup of Coffee keeps right on making good news these days. In stores everywhere, grocers have been featuring Maxwell House at lower prices. And now they're featuring lower prices still on America's favorite brand of coffee. Something we're all happy to see. You, your grocer, and Maxwell House, too. Now the world's most famous coffee flavor comes to you at the lowest prices in months. Wonderful good-to-the-last-drop flavor. You can count on cup after cup day after day. Because with Maxwell House Coffee, we have just one aim, to bring you the most in flavor and satisfaction every pound you buy, to bring you truly good coffee at the lowest possible price. That's why you find so much more flavor for your money in Maxwell House, your money's worth and more in real pleasure. And at today's prices, it's more than ever today's coffee buy. Look for that familiar blue Maxwell House tin in your store. Featured these days at still lower prices. The lowest prices in months. See how much you enjoy a cup of coffee that's always good. To the last drop.
12: A
13: very few minutes have passed in the white frame house on Maple Street. And the status is not what you would call exactly quo. Betty is on her way back from the Liggetts to meet the Talent Scout, and Billy Smith, who was jealous, doesn't want her to meet the Talent Scout. We think. But that's all right, because the Talent Scout has left anyway. And besides, he didn't want Betty, he wanted Kathy. And furthermore, well, you can see how, with just a little consideration and common sense, normal excitement can be completely controlled and turned into a sort of seething confusion. Like this
17: But Daddy, you said you didn't want me to go into the movies
14: I know, but you didn't have to tell him you'd rather be a lady wrestler
17: (laughs) Well, I would Jim,
15: I'm worried About what? About Betty, what are we going to tell her?
14: What can we tell her? We'll tell her the truth, that's all
15: Jim, there are times when the truth can be very cruel Especially to an imaginative young girl
14: Well, I'm certainly not going to lie
18: to her
17: Lying is a sin.
18: (laughs) Kathy, why don't you dry up? Can't you see we've got a problem?
17: Yes, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Kathleen,
14: if you start that phony coughing again...
17: I'm sorry, father. I'll try to control myself, even though something deep within me...
14: Stop it. (laughs) Margaret, if she's going to keep that up... She
17: won't, Jim.
15: Will you, Kathy?
17: Will I what?
15: Kathy, darling. Mommy and Daddy have a great problem. We need your help.
18: Boy, are you in trouble. (laughs) But? Well, holy cow. If you have to count on that knothead...
12: Mother! (laughs) But if
15: you can't behave yourself, I'd suggest you go to bed.
14: I'm sorry. Margaret, the plain truth of the matter is that the man wasn't impressed with Betty's performance. That's what we'll have to tell her.
15: I know, Jim, but not right away.
14: I still think he was a little out of his mind. Telling me Kathy looked like a Da Vinci cherub.
4: <laughs>
17: <laughs> <coughs> Kathy, stop it. I'm sorry, Daddy, I forgot.
14: Margaret. Yes, dear? Do you suppose we made a mistake? We could have sent
18: her all the way out to California.
12: <laughs> Jim.
18: What have you got against California?
17: (laughs) You just keep it up, bud. That's all. When I get to be a lady wrestler... Kathy, please.
15: (laughs) We have a very great favor to ask of you, and we haven't very much time.
14: Margaret, I say you're making a mistake. Tell Betty the truth, and if she isn't big enough to take it... Jim,
15: believe me, this is one time when the truth is a very dangerous thing. If we can just convince Betty that she doesn't want to go to Hollywood...
14: I can just see that. We can
15: try, Jim. If we succeed and she doesn't want to go, then it won't make any difference if she finds out about Kathy.
14: In other words, you're going to put yourself at the mercy
18: of that, uh... uh, cherub.
15: (laughs) What else can we do?
18: Dad, how would it be... Just a moment, Bud, please.
15: Kathy, will you promise not to say anything to Betty about Mr. K?
17: Not even I'm a cherub? Not even that she will
12: <coughs> Kathy,
14: I have here a list titled damages for May Kathleen Anderson four windows one windshield two rose bushes one shrub
17: is that just May
14: first half
17: <laughs> gosh well Okay, Mommy I won't talk Thank you, dear Boy, parents can sure louse up your life Kathy Kathy. (laughs) Mother. We're in
15: the living room, Betty Remember, Kathy, not a word Okay Kathy
16: (laughs) You mean I can't even call? I'm sorry we took so long, but you know how traffic is these days. We left the second Janie told us, but... Mother, where is he? Well, you see, dear... But Janie said the town scout was here. She told me. Daddy
17: sent him away. Father! Uh, Kathy. Well, I didn't tell her who. Bud, take Kathy upstairs. Come on, squirt. I don't want to go upstairs. I won't say anything honest.
18: Come on, will ya?
17: Well, stop Calling me. Why do you always have to call
16: me? <laughs> father, you didn't send him away. Tell me you didn't send him away.
14: I'm sorry, Betty, but
15: I did.
16: Oh, Father.
15: Betty, your father and I felt it was My
16: a... entire life is ruined. Everything I'd hoped for. Everything I'd planned.
14: Betty, if you'd only try to understand...
8: Understand? Mr. Anderson... This sort of treachery passes all understanding. What? As Betty's director, I say you have perpetrated a crime against the arts. Stolen from the silver screen one of its most glittering gems. You have purloined. Wait a
14: minute. <coughs> Which side are you on, anyway? You said you didn't want Betty to go into pictures.
8: I said that? I? Did Svengali hide Trulby under a bushel basket?
14: Is Cecil B. DeMille? Oh, go home.
12: (laughs) Father!
14: Stop saying father. If you must know the truth... Jim,
15: please.
14: Margaret, if they're going to accuse me of having ruined the movie industry... Betty,
15: whatever we did was for your good. You must know that. But
16: after I'd worked so hard and so long, a whole month, and it's just thrown away...
14: Honey, you aren't ready to be an actress... You haven't lived enough or suffered enough.
16: I could have lived and suffered in Hollywood, couldn't I?
8: (laughs) Betty's a great actress. One of the greatest I've ever directed. And I've had almost two years of it.
14: Wait a minute, Billy. Betty, you know, you might think Springfield is pretty dull and monotonous. But this is where you belong. This is your home.
16: That has nothing to do with it. I wanted a career. I wanted to be a success. And you spoiled everything.
14: Did I? Betty, there's one thing you've got to learn. There are a great many kinds of career. Your mother has a career, a very fine career. Your mother and millions of women just like your mother. They've raised families. They've built homes. They've worked for their husbands and helped them in a thousand different ways. Without women like your mother... Life would be a very difficult thing. True, being a wife and a mother isn't as glamorous as being a movie star, but the rewards are so much greater.
16: I never heard of anybody getting an Oscar for being a mother.
14: (laughs) Well, they give out different rewards to mothers. They give a mother a baby's tears to carry in her heart. They give her laughter and love to comfort her on lonely nights. They give her dirty faces to wash and hems to let out. They give her the greatest collection of memories a woman can want. You can take all your picture stars, all your scientists, all your women who have made names for themselves in industry and commerce, and the most successful woman, the woman with the greatest possible career, is still the plain everyday mother. Hooray! That's
18: telling her, Dad. Jim!
14: Just a minute, Margaret. Weren't you kids told to go upstairs?
18: We are upstairs.
14: But you didn't say we couldn't listen. Well, go do your homework or something.
17: Holy cow. I'll
16: get it. Father. Yes, Betty? I'm sorry. I was such a goon.
14: Oh, you weren't at all, Betty. You just didn't understand.
16: Being a mother is a very difficult thing. Very difficult
8: indeed.
14: Especially if you're a man.
8: Yes. Hello,
12: uh, what?
14: Uh, never mind.
15: Betty,
8: naturally we realize that you're very disappointed.
16: Oh, no, I'm not, Mother. Not really, I guess.
8: Well, anyway, you've got something Janie Liggett hasn't got. They didn't want her to be a movie star.
16: That's right. Wait until she hears I turned it down. Oh, Billy! Now,
14: just a second, Betty. Let's not make a big thing out of this. Oh, so, who was that on the phone, Kathy?
17: Oh, I took care of it. It was just a reporter from the Springfield Herald.
14: Kathy?
17: Yes, Father.
14: What did he want?
17: Oh, information about the screen test.
15: Jim, you'd better call them back.
17: Oh, he doesn't have to, Mommy. I told the man everything he wanted to know.
14: Which is what?
17: Well, he wanted to know if it was true that Miss Betty Anderson had been offered a screen test.
14: And what did you tell him?
17: I told him, yes. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> and I told him she turned it down and he wanted to know why So, I told him
14: Kathy, what did you tell him?
17: Well, just what you said I told him that Betty didn't want to go to Hollywood And he said why And I told him she was going to stay in Springfield On account of she was going to be a mother <laughs>
20: across the country, grocers have been doing a pleasant job in recent weeks, putting lower price tags on Maxwell House coffee. And now those grocers are doing the job again. Yes, these days they're featuring Maxwell House at lower prices still. The lowest prices in months. Certainly that's welcome news for you folks who drink Maxwell House every day. And for you who haven't been getting that wonderful good-to-the-last-drop flavor, now's the time to bring home a blue Maxwell House tin. Find out how much more real enjoyment there is in a cup of coffee when it brings you the world's most famous flavor. Flavor you can count on always, because we're mighty proud of it. And we'll never compromise on the quality of a single pound. For truly good coffee, for today's coffee buy, look for Maxwell House, featured these days at the lowest prices in months. It's always good to the last drop.
13: A day has passed, and in Springfield, the Andersons wait anxiously for the newspaper, which is to carry a retraction on the original story about Betty Anderson, American mother. Buried on one of the back pages, they're going to find the retraction all right, and it reads like this.
19: The editors of the Springfield Herald regret a slight inaccuracy in yesterday's story concerning the screen test offered to Miss Betty Anderson of this city. We are happy to state that there is no basis of fact in the report that she is to be a mother. In an effort to learn the complete details in this matter, however, the Herald, with its policy of accurate reporting, interviewed Mr. Alfred Kay of Metropolitan Pictures as he was leaving from the Springfield Airport. Mr. Kay confirmed the fact that Miss Anderson had been offered a test and supplied the true facts concerning her refusal. After completing her education in Springfield, he told us, Miss Anderson is going to embark on a career as a lady wrestler.
13: (laughs) The instant coffee with a famous flavor. That's Instant Maxwell House, the happiest combination in coffee. Wonderful good-to-the-last-drop flavor, combined with the convenience and thrift of coffee made instantly in the cup. So easy, no pot, no grounds. So thrifty, saves you real money compared to ordinary coffee. So truly good, pure roaster-fresh flavor. Try Instant Maxwell House, the instant coffee with a famous flavor. Instantly good to the last drop. Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Don't forget, membership cards for the Robert Young Good Drivers Club are waiting for you at your local NBC station. Get a man-to-man or dad-to-daughter pledge and sign up today. Be a good driver. Get your membership card in the Robert Young Good Drivers Club today. Now, until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Bold Venture, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, followed by The Red Skelton Show. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support, the executive producer for Theatre of the Mind,